I'm Bridget Stomberg. And I'm Lisa Simone, And this is Taxes for the Masses. Today we welcome Ayushi Roy, Deputy Director at New America, to discuss the feasibility of an IRS-run direct e-file tax return system. The Inflation Reduction Act of 2022 required the IRS to deliver a report to Congress on a potential IRS-run direct e-file tax return system that outlined three areas. First, the cost. Second, taxpayer opinions and expectations. And third, the opinions of an independent third party on the feasibility of such a system. New America collaborated as one of the independent third parties to opine on the feasibility of the system. In today's episode, we provide background on the impetus for this return filing option and hear from Ayushi about the conclusions of the report. Hello, B. Hello, Lisa. Um, so this is a really big episode with no time for usual chit-chat or witty banter. Uh, you may be surprised to hear this, but I totally agree with you, and I am not even going to try to make a joke. Was that an attempt to make a joke? Absolutely not. Okay. Thank you. Um, so as you know, I'm really passionate about the IRS developing its own e-filing option for individual tax returns. And as you know, I am passionate about anything that makes filing my taxes easier and requires less of my time, energy, and money. Yes. So if you can believe it, dear listeners, this will be our third podcast episode on topics related to IRS filing. Our first one covered the history of the IRS's free file program, which started with good intentions of providing free online tax prep and filing services to qualified taxpayers, but quickly devolved into a complex, confusing, and clandestine program ripe for scandal and abuse. So much drama here on the pod. So much. Our second episode compared and contrasted the filing system in the U.S. with those in other countries, and we discovered that taxpayers in many other countries have it, let's say, easier at tax Mm -hmm. time than we do here in the U.S., Yes, that's right. Americans collectively spend over $11 billion with a B Mm -hmm. annually outsourcing their tax prep services. And the IRS estimates that the average taxpayer spends between 13 and 25 hours each year to prepare the return, depending on how complex it is. And although we've all learned that you actually enjoy that time. Yes, I do. Many of us do not. Fair. So Congress directed the IRS as part of the Inflation Reduction Act to study the feasibility of an IRS-run free direct e-file tax return system, which, because this show is only about 25 minutes long, we're just going to call the direct file system. That makes sense. Save some time. Uh, So the study was conducted against the backdrop of the IRS's strategic operating plan, which has five objectives. And one of those objectives is, quote, to dramatically improve services to help taxpayers meet their obligations and receive the tax incentives for which they are eligible. So every year, the IRS surveys taxpayers about their filing needs and preferences, which I didn't realize they did. Neither did I. One finding from those surveys is that a majority of taxpayers are interested in using an IRS-provided tool to prepare their taxes. Also surprising. Over 80% of taxpayers who currently self-prepare their returns are interested in direct file, as are 73% of taxpayers under 65 and 81% of taxpayers with limited English proficiency. Taxpayers also care about the cost, privacy, and security in their tax filing options. Now let me sweep in with some of the less glowing survey responses. Okay. 
So some taxpayers question the IRS's motives in wanting to provide a direct file tool. Interesting. Over 30% of surveyed taxpayers stated they didn't want the IRS to prepare their return or they didn't think it was the IRS's job to prepare individuals' taxes. And all of those positive responses that you just alluded to assume that the direct file option would be the same or easier as currently available tax prep options. Oh boy. Another issue is that taxpayers want to be able to file their state and local tax returns along with their federal return. Something those of us in the state of Texas don't have to worry about. This is why you like doing your taxes so much. As one surveyed taxpayer said, state tax prep is going to cost me money, so a free IRS-only option really doesn't offer me any value. Hmm, that's an interesting point. Some taxpayers also want information from tax forms like your W-2 or your 1099 to be pre-populated to streamline the filing process. One surveyed taxpayer noted that the IRS already knows your tax information and asked why wouldn't it be possible to just log in, enter your social security number, and have half the return already filled out? Why not indeed? It's a very good question. Um, so Bleak B, back here for just another quick second. Oh, just for a quick second this Quick time. sec, and then I'm out. Okay. So some taxpayers were afraid that the IRS would show preference to those who use the direct file tool. Okay. So things like maybe you get a shorter processing time or a lower risk of audit. Ah, okay. And that would be not fair, right? If you got preference, maybe because you use the IRS's tool versus using a paid preparer, at least that wouldn't be good from an optics standpoint. Right. Yes. Now, in addition to taxpayer surveys, the IRS included the opinion of an independent third party in its report to Congress. The third party was New America, and Associate Professor Ariel Juro-Kleiman of Loyola Law School in Los Angeles. Importantly, neither New America nor Professor Kleiman received any financial compensation for their work. All told, the individuals involved in the review represented academic and practice disciplines, including service design, digital product management, tax law, tax policy, and software engineering. So if I may, mm-hmm. all due respect, it's a bunch of nerds. Total nerds. Not politicians, not radical policy operatives. Okay. So we have two qualified parties working for free, free. to opine on the feasibility of a direct file system. And let me say that again. Their charge was not to say whether the IRS should have a direct file system, but whether it could. That is correct. What their report does is summarize the technical and operational concerns that the IRS would have to address if it decides to implement a direct file system. The report also highlighted the importance of customer support, data privacy and security, and stable ongoing appropriations to fund the system in a way that would accommodate changing user needs and numbers over time. So those were all of the considerations that the report listed. And you may ask, how did the third party arrive at that list of considerations? Mm. Science! How about research? Okay, fine. The third party reviewed the IRS report on taxpayer surveys and costs. It also interviewed 72 experts in the matter of a little over a month, including IRS and Treasury employees, external subject matter experts, community organizations, state government officials, and private industry representatives. They also reviewed over 50 academic papers, reports, and articles on tax administration, tax filing, and related topics. So the point here being, dear listeners, they didn't just make this up out of nothing. Nope. The third party review concluded that the feasibility of a direct file system, quote, depends critically on the IRS's ability to maintain this initiative as a leadership priority, 
Start with a limited scope, expand over time, and address each of the listed imperatives at each stage of design and implementation. So it's feasible under all of the right conditions. Absolutely. To talk with us about the third-party review of the IRS Direct File Initiative, we welcome Ayushi Roy, Deputy Director of New America's New Practice Lab. Ayushi recently served on the leadership team managing investments for the U.S. Technology Modernization Fund, a $1 billion fund to modernize technology and improve customer experience across the federal government. She's also worked to modernize Wisconsin's system for unemployment insurance, helped to hire the first cohort of dedicated product managers for the Centers for Medicaid and Medicare Services, and streamlined the grants infrastructure for Medicaid and the Children's Health Insurance Program, or CHIP. She also teaches digital government at Harvard's Kennedy School and is the co-founder of We Who Engage, a media platform and government consultancy that facilitates civic engagement. Bayushi, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here. So we are super excited to have you here today. So to start, could you tell us um, a little bit about what led to your position as Deputy Director of New America? Um, what is the organization and what are its objectives? Absolutely. Yeah. Um you know, I have spent my career serving as a government technologist. Um, and so building technology in the public interest, particularly for uh, all kinds of government services um, and programs, uh, whether they were things like unemployment insurance, Medicaid, Medicare, children's health insurance program, um, as well as like business licensing and parking permits. Um, so any sort of government service you can imagine um, mm -hmm. is sort of how I've, I've spent my career. And one of the things I learned fairly quickly um, working purely on the product front as a product manager um, building software is that, um, you know, there's a lot of language policy legislation statutes that uh, really guardrail a lot of what can or can't be built mm. and how services can or can't be administered. And um, at some point in my career, I was like, you know what, it'd be really cool is actually to be able to work on that language alongside the product yeah. um, and mm. move a little bit farther upstream. Right. And so um, I had the great fortune of moving uh, of, of leaving um, for the very first time uh, my .gov email addresses and moving into the .org world um, here at New America, where I serve as, as you said, the deputy director. Um, and I work on, in a nutshell, making government services work. Love that. It's really that simple. Um, you know, I mean, Americans deserve governments that work for them. And it's really, it's really that easy. Uh, so let's talk a bit about the the review um, that you all helped with. Um, so the study concluded that a direct file system could create operational complexity for the IRS, but also an opportunity to improve taxpayer service, which we know has been, it's, it's I think, already improving a little bit, but it's been rough the last few years with, uh, you know, plenty of stories of phones ringing and nobody there to answer. Um, can you talk a little bit more about both pieces? One sounds like maybe the IRS is potentially a little worse off, but the other piece is potentially a huge benefit to your average American. Yeah, that's right. You know, we, we, um, did a lot of research and digging and conversations in the writing of this feasibility study as mandated by, mandated by the Inflation Reduction Act. And 
um, you know, there isn't a clear answer. What we wanted to really do was paint both universes, right? There's a universe where there is new and added operational complexity within the building, within the IRS and treasury. And then there's also a universe um, in which there is improved taxpayer service delivery. And those two things are not mutually exclusive either, right? right. We're not trying to paint those as either or. Yep. Um, so on the operational complexity side, uh, one of the big ones was around resourcing and training a product team. You know, product mm -hmm. management um, is a fairly, it's fairly nascent in the public sector context. There aren't very many people like myself um, uh, who have either gone from private or nonprofit or maybe other public contexts and have served and served full-time in a product development context um, at the federal level. And so that is going to be a really important area for the IRS to staff up, either through um, hiring or through upskilling their own staff internally and to provide resources for that team to really lead in the development of a future direct file system. Um, relatedly around the sort of uh, resourcing and customer support is gonna be another really big operational mm -hmm. complexity. Um, um, as you might've seen in the IRS uh, report that came out, um, they name customer support as being the most expensive part of mm -hmm. a future direct file system. Um, that's you know no surprise for a lot of us, but it is really worth naming that that's going to add additional complexity for the resourcing, but also the training of that customer support um, right. staff. A third uh, piece of operational complexity on the technical side is around integration with existing IRS systems, mm -hmm. namely the modernized e-file or MEF system, um, which is currently responsible for processing every single electronically filed return in the country just 160 mm -hmm. million annually. Um, it's a very impressive system and integrating with that is going to be uh, an important part of the lift. Um, and then the last one I'll just say, which I think is the most nebulous here is just the complexity uh, around trade-offs in um, technology investment, right? It, there, it's, it's no surprise. Every federal agency is not unique to the IRS. Every federal agency um, or government agency has more needs than they have dollars for. Mm -hmm. um, so just on the operational complexities, I think on the, the other universe of improved taxpayer services, um, this is, again, a this was the sort of biggest uh, bucket of the IRS uh, strategic operating plan. Mm -hmm. um, and it was mm -hmm. really, really heartening, I will say, as a technologist to read about this. That's great. And one of the things you said in your response there is that the report doesn't provide a clear answer, right? There are, there are competing interests. And like you said, both of those things can be true. It can add complexity. It can also help taxpayers. So to me, from reading the report, it wasn't necessarily like a pro- a direct filing option report. You're that's not what you were engaged to do. You were engaged to examine the feasibility of it. So, how do you respond to some criticism that politicians have levied that the study was just a quote box checking exercise and that New America was not sufficiently independent to conduct the study? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that any of us were surprised at that criticism, right? I mean, like sadly, right? Like you can kind of mm -hmm. expect. Let's be honest. Any any third party. And any quote independent third party chosen to fulfill this obligation as per the Inflation Reduction Act would have received some sort of criticism from the political players that be anywhere on the landscape, right? Depending on sort of where they're seen um, to sit. 
So I, I think the criticism mm-hmm. itself was unsurprising. You know, I will say that we took our independence very, very seriously. Um, and you can see that in the report in a couple fronts. You know, the first is we were only given a very, very tight timeline to do this work. Mm-hmm. We were given two mm-hmm. months to do this work. Mm-hmm. Um, that is nuts <laughs> um, for the for the kind of lift we were asked. And we did not shy away from fulfilling a really rigorous um, intellectually um, uh, int- uh, intellectually rigorous process in that limited time frame. We that all of that work was done because we didn't walk in with an opinion. You know, um, relatedly, you know, our independence was also evident in the in the team of experts that we had on this project. Um, you know, New America is a, a large organization, and the folks that we chose were were people that all came from technology backgrounds. These were not people coming from um, political, cer- you know, certain political leanings, mm-hmm. but rather coming from a really, I hate to say it, but like kind of a nerdy, <laughs> you know, software <laughs> background who were really interested in just looking behind the scenes about how IRS IT works, how IRS call centers work, how IRS, you know, identity management works and account creation works and all of those nitty gritty details, because that really is what makes or breaks a service delivery process. Mm-hmm. And um, that's why we chose the team that we had. And and the team that we chose also consists of people who've worked for, um, you know, their careers span private and public sector work. They span multiple past administrations, right? I mean, at the end of the day, like the work of administering government services and technology services and e-commerce services is is a very different world than one that is sort of politically driven or driven by electeds. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think that's just a really important distinction in the, the kind of people we had on, on this work. And I think the last thing I'll say as far as independence and the criticism we received, which is, you know, this was a gratis agreement. We didn't receive a dime for the work that we did. Mm-hmm. And for the amount of work we were asked to do in a short period of time mm-hmm. and to then not be paid, there's only a handful of organizations that were really that mm-hmm. were that could be able to even do that in the first place. Um, and add to that the fact that New America is an organization that would never, could never compete for a future RFP mm-hmm. or right. an RFI for anything related to direct file technology. Right. We don't build technology. We are technologists who come from a back. I've built technology in the past tense, mm-hmm. but I don't mm-hmm. do that for New America today. And again, there's even fewer organizations who have the expertise but would never compete for the project. Let's talk a little bit more about some of the points in the report. So a problem with software is that it tends to get outdated pretty quickly. It can be become cumbersome for the users, and so it requires continual improvement. I guess, can you talk a little bit more about uh, how difficult this problem might be and some considerations that that we should be thinking about as we're considering a direct file system? You know, the first thing I'll say is just taking a step back, when we talk about continuous improvement in the context of our report, um, we're actually thinking about that more so from a modern software development standpoint. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't necessarily correlate to dollars. So let me just maybe start by explaining okay. a bit more about what we mean when we say continuous improvement. Um, you know, one of the jokes about building software, whether it's in the public interest or for private uh, context, is just the minute you ship code is the minute it becomes antiquated, mm-hmm. right? Like that's just naturally yeah. how our work works. And so what's actually much more important in 
particularly, you know, I'll say in the public context, is to have a team that is working with a mindset to continuously improve and, and keep an eye out for the constituents' needs such that they're constantly looking for what's evolving, what could be changed. And that mindset is really what we were speaking to in the report. I, I will note, and we said this in the report as well, that sustainable funding and strong leadership will be critical for the success of a future and feasible direct file program. Um, what that amount is of sustainable funding I think is a really wide range, right? At the moment in the IRS report, the range that they gave us was roughly between 60 and 200 million. It's a pretty mm -hmm. large range. Mm -hmm. The The final comment I'll make just about, I think, funding for technology projects at large, and this is outside the context of the IRS, but just what I've seen from previous work experience is technology line items at the federal level, but also at the state and local level are often seen as capital expenses. Mm -hmm. They're seen as, oh, we got to replace the roof. You know, um, but the reality is modern software development practices see technology not as a one and done, mm -hmm. but as mm -hmm. a constant feedback loop, right? right? Um, and it's sometimes really challenging for government agencies to make that mindset shift mm -hmm. on their legislative finance or other sort of, you know, budget hmm. teams to start labeling technology work as a operating expense, mm -hmm. as, a, as a fairly heavy operating expense, as opposed to a one-time capital expense. So another challenge uh, that the report noted that sometimes maybe people aren't thinking about is for most of us, we don't only file a federal return. We also have to file a state tax return. And something that's very nice about TurboTax, for example, is that you get to do both at once, right? You do all your federal stuff and then it feeds it in and, and completes that state return for you for, you know, just another ridiculous amount of money. Um, and so you noted in the report that that would be a taxpayer expectation, right? Moving from like a paid system to the, to the IRS um, direct file system and that there could be some challenges there. So just in your expertise and given what you learned, what do you think the chances are uh, that an integrated filing system could exist and if we can't get there, if we can't get there initially, how unattractive do you think that that would make the direct filing system to the average taxpayer? Yeah, this is this is a this is a really important topic. Um, you know, I wouldn't discount future feasibility altogether. Um, I, I will say, you know, this isn't a technically difficult challenge. Okay, it's, it's not only a technically difficult challenge; it is also a challenge of will between players. We've seen, like you said, Turbo be able to provide this sort of service. Um, we have seen, um, you know, 14 states already have their own direct file system, which we talk about in the report. Mm. And what that tells me as a technologist, right, is that there sure will be, I don't want to discount the data interoperability challenge between the federal return and using that to also file your state return. But I think more importantly, there's going to be a, a, a question of will, a question of, you know, what is coordination and collaboration between state departments of revenue or state comptrollers offices and the IRS look like at each state level to allow for constituents, no matter where you live, to be able to do to do both. So you mentioned at the top of the discussion that sometimes there's a problem with implementation based on how the policy is written. So I may be going 
off in left field and you can tell me that, but is that an issue here? Like would a state have a policy written about how they share data or who they share data with or something that could be a friction to this coordination? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I won't, I won't claim to be in any way close to familiar with all the state policies mm-hmm. around um, tax information and privacy of that tax information, but I can very much imagine data sharing uh, being a huge problem, um, mm-hmm. both because of systems capturing information and systems being run by vendors that maybe aren't used to working together, um, as well as the actual language itself, right, in, in policy at the state, but also at the federal level. So the report is pretty clear, and I think you've already said this as well, that the uh, third-party reviewers were, were not asked, should the IRS develop this direct file program? And you said you, you, know, you came into it with a pretty open mind, with no preconceptions of what the right answer was. If you don't mind me asking, do you have an opinion? Do the costs outweigh the benefits or vice versa? Should, should this be something that the IRS should do? Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I will, I'll be honest. I haven't spent very much time thinking about the should or the ought question just because we were very deep, right? 72 interviews Mm -hmm. in like 45 days, um, to try to figure out just the, what was happening and, Mm -hmm. and what the systems looked like. What I, what my brain, you know, is doing is just asking the question, what is most valuable for the American taxpayer Mm -hmm. and what is most valuable to improve their experience? I take I take that experience improvement very seriously as a technologist. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know enough about whether creating a future direct file option or maybe some other sort of product or tool would most quickly support the experience of taxpayers, right? I mean, there one of the things we heard, for example, from some of the folks we interviewed was wayfinding is really challenging. Mm. You know, um, it's really challenging as a taxpayer to understand just the, the slate of options available hmm. to me, um, especially depending maybe on my income, yep. mm-hmm. maybe depending on whether I'm a single parent, the number of children I have, the state I live in, like there's, you know, uh, student loans. I mean, there's so many mm-hmm. um, tax code scenarios that change what options for tax prep might be best for me. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to parse that. I mean, like I went to college. <laughs> I, I can read English. English is my first language. You know, like I can use a computer. I have internet access and still filing my taxes is really hard for me. Hmm. And I'm a, I'm a tax professor and filing my taxes <laughs> is still really hard for me. It's not hard for Lisa. It's very hard for me. So I, exactly, exactly. And I think like, this is the part that just stepping back is really, I'm, I'm just using the Ayushi hat. I'm not using the like mm-hmm. technologist who was asked to write this hat. It's infuriating. It's infuriating <laughs> that like, despite all the privileges I have, yeah. mm-hmm. like I, it's still hard for me to file my taxes mm-hmm. and filing my taxes is not an option. It never will be an option, <laughs> right? Like this is a mandatory task that we all have as Americans and there are other countries where the tax filing options just look very different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As we, ta- as we talk about in our report, as the IRS talks about in their report. And I don't know about you, like that was eye-opening to me yep. to hear about how folks in Australia or other 
sort of, you know, similar, uh, similar in sort of maybe social and cultural standpoint, have a very different tax filing experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as I usually the human, I will say that was very eye opening for me and very frustrating. And whether direct file is a product or some other product or technology tool might be the best way of supporting that taxpayer experience is an open question for me. Is there anything else you'd like to uh, comment on that we haven't asked you about? I have one plug, actually. I have an idea. And I want to seed this idea into the world for all your listeners in case someone comes back with like an actual action out of this, which is remember how we all grew up watching the how the bill becomes a law, Schoolhouse Rock? We all grew up with this thing. Okay. So there's a whole other world here of like when a law becomes a service. And I just want a part two. So if someone out there wants to create a part two, (laughs) I, I highly welcome it. And I'd love to... So just give you some screenwriting ideas. <laughs> we'll get on it. I love it. Amazing. Thank you so much. I want to thank you for your podcast and the kinds of conversations you all have here. It's there's it's a rare breed of people who think about um, trying to make the government sexy <laughs> and the administration of government programs sexy, um, myself being one of them. And so I feel like I've found in a way uh, kindred spirits here and it's been really lovely just to meet both of you, Lisa and Bridget. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on and being willing to talk about your important, but um, it sounds like pretty, pretty difficult work. Uh, Thank thank you for fighting the good fight. We appreciate it. (laughs) Thank you for this report. Time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I am happy to kick off the good. Okay. Obviously, at least in my humble opinion, Ayushi was an amazing guest. I thought she was great. I feel so fortunate, honestly, sincerely lucky that we were able to get the perspective of someone who was so closely involved in this project and in the report. Without a doubt, we are very fortunate. Um, it's also very good to learn that there's a team of people, these government technologists who are trying to move government systems into the modern era Mm -hmm. and improve citizens' experiences through technology. That's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And it's pretty inspiring that these people think the government actually can do better. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, they believe in the government enough to devote literally their entire careers to helping the government be better. Mm Mm-hmm. Unlike many of the rest of us who just kind of throw up our hands and complain and groan that the government just stinks and you just have to live with it. Including members of Congress. Including members of this podcast. Yes. Um, I also have a deep respect for anyone who would refer to the IRS's modern e-file system as, quote, very impressive. It may have been my favorite part of the podcast, (laughs) and I'm willing to bet that's something the IRS has never heard before. Oh, I'm I'm sure they've never heard that. Yeah. Okay. So um, that was the good. Yes. On to the bad. Uh, We talked about how the criticism that they received wasn't exactly entirely unexpected. I guess I I admire the, the courage that it takes, right? To undertake a huge task like this, to be a third party independent reviewer, unpaid. It's a ton of time. They had a very short deadline and they knew they were going to get nailed for for doing it, even though they seem to have had the best of intentions from where we're standing. I totally agree. And I thought it was really interesting to hear her talk about the people who were involved in the project. And, and really, they're just people who are passionate about technology yeah. and trying to make technology work for 
citizens. I really, from speaking to her, I don't feel like she had a dog in this fight. And if we're being honest, that wasn't even their their charge. They were not asked to say whether this is something the IRS should do. And it's like Republicans in Congress don't even care about that. It wouldn't have mattered what the report said, if we're being honest. And that's just kind of disappointing. Yeah. Um, So I'm going to call that bad. I'm also going to call it a little sad. Yeah. And now I'm going to interject something annoying. I'm not surprised. Can I do do that? (laughs) Um, So during IRS Commissioner Werfel's testimony before the Senate Finance Committee, um, ranking member Mike Crapo went on and on about how much Republicans support more taxpayer services and IT modernization at the IRS. But then they complain. No, no, they don't complain. I don't just want to use that verb. Mm -hmm. They refuse to fund it. Mm -hmm. So just stop, like stop asking for things and then not being willing to provide the resources to deliver those things. Mm -hmm. Yep. Senator Crapo also went on to blatantly mischaracterize the report as actually opining on whether the IRS should prepare tax returns for individuals, which is not what the report is about. Not remotely. He says those who conducted the study were biased in favor of the idea that the IRS should prepare returns. Um, We asked Ayushi point blank whether they should, and she didn't have an answer. No. and Because that wasn't the point. It wasn't the point. And just please, listeners, if you take nothing else away, the IRS is not going to be preparing your return. (laughs) They are going to be providing software, a technology platform so that you can provide your own return Mm. for free. All right. How about the ugly? Um, Over the last 40 years, uh, and so if you're, you know, doing your math at home there, that puts you squarely in the Republican era of the 1980s. Welfare programs have shrunk. And more and more benefits are administered to individuals in need through the tax system. So things like the earned income tax credit, which we've done an episode on, it's one of the country's largest anti-poverty programs. And in order to get the benefits, you have to wait for it, file a freaking tax return. Spoiler alert. And that's just one of these benefit programs. There's also child and dependent care credits credits for higher education, and much, much more. The point here is that so many of the benefits the federal government provides to workers, to children, to parents, to students, happen through the tax code and are thus administered by the IRS. And I want to take a minute here because this was a point that was sort of lost on me before. Mm. People would say the IRS administered stuff and I would think, oh, they send the checks, but that's not what we're talking about here. You have to file a tax return. You have to engage with the tax system to get the money that you are owed. And we said at the top that the IRS strategic plan intended to, quote, help taxpayers receive the incentives for which they're eligible. You'd almost think those people opposing this plan and direct file and funding the IRS, maybe they don't want people to get the tax incentives they are eligible for. Also, I think, I think we just had to pass a plan to extend our debt limit. Yep. Yep, we did. We continue to spend more than we collect as a country and- There's two sides to that equation, right? There's ins and outs. Tax revenues are down year to date in 2023 compared to 2022, down by about 10%. Any thoughts that maybe, just maybe, that's because our tax system is too complex for people to comply and our tax authority is too underfunded to enforce compliance? No, that's just crazy talk. Well, that's all we have time for today. Be sure to join us for more tax nerdery on future episodes of Taxes for the Masses.